0: Welcome to the Lit Twit Podcast, I'm Pia, and we have Avery, Lexi, Zara, Katie, and Jill, and today we're talking about prominent themes that parallel in Frankenstein and Rime of the Ancient Mariner, and throughout the show we'll be getting live tweets.
1: Okay, uh, talking about romanticism and religion and the concept, and uh, the scope of a father figure, how has parenthood affected the major characters in Frankenstein?
2: Well... First
3: off, I think, like, foremost, it affects Frank, or the monster that Frankenstein creates the most, because the monster is created by this human being, and he's not nurtured, right? And that's why he goes on, that's why he, like, goes along, and he um, does all these things that aren't humanly right, but he could have been taught a different way.
4: Yeah, going back to that, like, nurture aspect, it's kind of, like, he assumed the role by basically making man and not even giving the tools to have that man survive kind of kind of went back on the entire purpose of making something and not actually caring for it later on
5: so So. what do you guys think of like the parallel that exists between like the abandonment that victor um imposes upon the monster by kind of just leaving him there and he's like okay i'm not gonna show you how to deal with the real life world versus like do you think there's a parallel between that and like the fall and how humanity felt maybe abandoned by god when he like dispelled them from paradise and garden of eden
1: i think both situations we have a creator who basically created something (laughs) that had the ability To feel emotions and be unpredictable and have free will and that's scary for a creator because you lose control if with freedom you lose control and victor is scared that this ginormous monster that he created is suddenly unpredictable and he can't control anymore so i think that parallels not necessarily God, God isn't scared of humanity, but humanity can do some pretty horrible things. I feel like that's another aspect of isolation, which is parallel to Frankenstein.
2: I think another way how it can kind of parallel to religion in modern day, um, Victor completely abandons his monster and is actually repulsed by him. But um, we're t- taught in the doctrine that God never abandons us. He's always with us, and he made us all perfect in his eyes, so he would never find us disgusting.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's just kind of what the human fault of Victor is because he's not an actual God. He's just a human person, so he's a human creating this n- another being, which mm-hmm. I guess goes into another question as if it's right or wrong.
0: I guess he wasn't really ready for that burden, I guess, because like you guys said, he kind of leaves the creature to educate itself through experience, which is kind of what God did in that parallel. But he was just trying to fulfill his um, desires for science, so I guess it wasn't wrong, but it wasn't a, a good yeah. thing, I guess, you can't really
1: just because you can do something doesn't mean yeah. that you should, yeah.
0: in this case. What do you guys think about,
5: like, the parent relationship between maybe, like, Victor and his father? but Alfonso, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, do you think there's any, like, juxtaposition between that? Or, like, do you think any of his father figure carried into his, like, treatment of the monster? I mean, Alfonso seemed to be a good father overall to
3: Victor like when he was in trouble he'd come and get him and he'd like send letters to him all the time so he definitely had that more nurture aspect rather than what um, Frankenstein gave to his monster and I think that might have turned out why like that may have been the reason why that Frankenstein turned out to be this more wholesome person going on like an going on to find something that he's passionate about and learning what he wants to do and then he creates this monster who didn't have that type of nurture aspect who goes on to do more terrible things per se.
1: The monster lacks all typical aspects of like a family he's not natural he wasn't nurtured he basically lacks a father as Victor abandons him. He doesn't have any filial connections to the world and he has Like, in response, he has no, like, consequences, basically, that he has to follow.
4: I wonder why, throughout the novel, the monster always went back to, like, I feel like he had a good heart in whatever he was doing. He was genuinely trying to learn the language, observe, and just, like, stay behind, and I wonder where he obtained that character, like, that personality trait when he was created from, bare like, nothing but still made those traits into his, like, daily life. So I wonder where those, like, came from.
5: You're talking about the monsters? Yeah. I I think it was mainly, like, from observance of the real world, like, when he was in the cottage with Felix and all of those people, and he learned the English language, and he just observed humanity from, like, a second-person perspective. But to me, do you think that in modern days, like if a child grows up and it's abandoned by their parents is it their fault that they like grow up without like maybe some issues in morality you know what i'm saying Cause, cause, like yeah. for victor like mainly the most controversial part of this book i think is like whose fault is it you know what i mean is yeah. it the creator who abandoned him and didn't give him the morality like lessons that he needed or is it the monster because the monster seemed to me intelligent enough to, like, recognize yeah. what he was doing was wrong. Yeah. yeah.
1: Have you guys ever heard of feral children? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Wait, I don't, yeah. do a child Jenny? Yeah. She was literally abandoned. Like, her father abandoned her, like, locked her in her basement and for her whole life until she was, like, 15 or 16 she had no human interaction except to be beaten. And, like, so she, when she came, like, out of isolation when, like, child protective services, like, rescued her or whatever she could not interact she could barely do human things she reverted back to like a primate state because she had no human interaction like she didn't know how to interact with people and she ended up like going to a psychiatric hospital and dying she was there for like 50 or 60 years and they just did case studies on her for those years because it was such an isolated example of lack of human connection so yeah that's frankenstein's monster kind of Yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: It looks like we're getting an incoming tweet from Katy Perry and her question about this novel and Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is, can isolation lead to madness?
2: I think that isolation can lead to madness. Um, In the case of the monster, he yearns for a connection with humanity and he wants to be a part of the family and he wants even a mate. And when he doesn't receive any of these like reciprocated feelings, he does go mad and gets very violent as a reaction.
5: Yeah, and then connecting that like with the rhyme of the ancient mariner when he doesn't have, when all of his crewmates are essentially distinguished from his life and crew, he becomes very lonely and he starts almost hallucinating. So I think that also draws that parallel between Frankenstein and the ancient mariner to show how like an isolating effect can be drawn upon madness.
2: Do you guys think that Victor goes mad at the end when he loses everybody and then only has like, a focus on finding and hunting and killing his own monster?
4: I feel like he reverted back to his like, primal instincts. Instead of thinking with his brain, he just kind of just like, went with what in his gut feeling. He was like, okay, this is like I'm an animal, so I'm going to act like one almost because I'm not getting those reciprocated like, feelings back from people around him exactly
3: and like the rest of the people around him like the people on the boat that were watching victor they all were interested by him but they also thought that he was pretty mad and only robert walton even said that he was like i don't understand or i don't know exactly why i believed his story because it did sound so crazy but he believed him anyways
5: do you guys think like that talking about the story kind of like that draw of penance between, like, the ancient mariner who... He tells the story over and over again so that he can, like, rid of his sins, I guess you could say. And then how Victor is telling the story to, um... What's it? Walton? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, do you think that in doing so, he becomes more focused? Like, Because it almost seems like as he's going along, he becomes more mad as he speaks about it. But, like, to me, it might be more focused about what he truly intended I by mean, the monster.
0: I think it helps because... If he's telling the story he's acknowledging what he did and there's no other way for him to kind of cope with it and he also feels guilty about it so I feel like talking to other people about it helps him go through it I guess Mm -hmm. yeah he gets out of his own head and his own mission about finding him
4: and by talking to someone out loud it almost like in a way it almost like manifests the idea that someone Like, this creature's out there and he needs to go find him, so I guess it does intensify, but also at the same time, it doesn't make it as crazy-sounding in his brain because he is telling someone. Like, justification. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting that you guys find it, that it's supposed to be consoling, kind of, instead of... How like the rhyme of the ancient Mariner it takes on the idea that the way that he retel- he has to retell the tale is a curse instead of something that helps him which is how you guys are saying in the Fra- in mm-hmm. Frankenstein yeah. him retelling the tale
5: helps him yeah. I think it's like kind of how when you go to confession and you have they give you an act of penance usually right and sometimes it may not be it may not feel good like you might suffer from that act of penance and you might not want to do it but ultimately it's going to help you I think that's kind of like what's happening here with even though because Victor as he's telling his story again you can see how he's like oh my gosh this was so bad like I feel so remorseful as I'm speaking about it and the same with the ancient Mariner. so I think both of them just draw how like you can you can better yourself through suffering I guess Mm
2: -hmm. through
5: active selfish suffering
2: And they're both kind of raising awareness um, through their stories to other people. And kind of, it's like a foreboding tale that this is what I did and this is what happened. Yeah, definitely. I regret it.
5: Yeah, and I feel like there's like that symbolic parallel of how like the the characters like Walton and then the wedding guests who are listening to these stories are like symbolic of the audience of the reader. And you can draw that parallel between the reader, like learning from their mistakes and those themes of remorse.
4: Yeah, so at the end of The Ancient Mariner, as... Avery was talking about how we see it in Frankenstein as like an act of like, almost like penance. He, the mariner starts telling the hermit and by doing this at the end, the penance comes in through him being reconciled and freeing himself from guilt by saying it. So at the, in the beginning it does start off as a curse because he's saying it so many times and he's recognizing the idea that this is so bad, but at the end it does, serve the same purpose as it did in Frankenstein by having the hermit being the reconciling factor in it, so. What do you think is a function of
5: Elizabeth's characters? Like, because she seems to be one of the only major female characters given the fact that Victor's father is dead. And then in The Ancient Mariner, you don't even see, I don't think... Did anybody read about Mm -hmm. a female character? I don't remember Mm -hmm. reading about any female character. So, like, what do you think that juxtaposition is important?
4: I feel like it displays almost, like, part of, like, humanity by having a connection with another person, especially, like, a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. I feel like it shows, like, the emotions that a human has. Mm -hmm. So. I feel like Elizabeth's death was kind of just, like, supposed to be
3: like the last straw yeah. for Victor and like thinking knowing that he has to just go down and hunt down his creation and kill it cause like all, like the rest of the time he was kind of just like trying to get away from him and after Elizabeth's death, death it's really when he started to go down yes. and hunt for
5: Hunt him down. Yeah, especially as like his mother died when he was a young age, so it was kind of like his only source of like maternal. I guess you could say it kind of sounds weird when you <laughs> put it like maternal, but like the female source of real. compassion, yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well, in *Rime of the Ancient Mariner*, in the part I analyzed, there was the spectre woman who I think is mm-hmm. life and death, and she's the one who like won and made it so that the mariner would be alone in the end. And then Elizabeth, when she oh. dies kind of yeah that's a really strong parallel yeah (laughs) yeah like like life and death like how it kind of transferred his brain so they ended up both being isolated after this woman yeah that's how
4: i took it as we're getting a live tweet from Zara larson asking what
0: is the dividing line between being a monster and being a human so the dictionary defines a monster as an imaginary creature that is typically large ugly and frightening or an inhumanly cruel or wicked person. So how do you guys think that applies to the novel? I think it
5: establishes a stronger parallel between uh, Victor and the monster, because as a definition of the monster, doesn't have to be inhuman. You know what I mean? Like, it can still be a human, but with bad qualities. Mm -hmm. Or not necessarily bad, but wicked intentions. And so, I don't know, I think that Victor... Victor and the monster go through this, like, path where they're both on the way to... I don't know, what would you call it? Like, their ultimate goal of being human companionship, right? They're both seeking for, like, Victor's trying to be with Elizabeth and then the monster's trying to be Mm -hmm. with his female
4: counterpart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like the monster does show some human qualities, but throughout the novel, we see his monster side come out in his wicked actions. So, that was kind of just, like, the dividing line of him being that monster figure So do you because guess, of his actions. What about, so, yeah. like, terror
5: versus horror? What do you think that binary opposition, or if there is any between that? Because to me, terror is, like, sheer terror, whereas, like, horror... Horror has some, like, romantic elements built into it, where you have some, like, for example, in this book, it's terrifying because of the monster and him going on, like, a murder spree, but then at the same time, you have the elements of, like, the love part of where he's just longing for love, and, like, in some parts, you feel feel sympathetic towards the monster because of that, so I think in this case... The book is definitely a horror novel over terror exactly i think that like
3: a horror novel is something that's more enjoyable and helps like a person like interconnect with the novel while a terror novel just kind of incites like this big this feeling of like you should be scared all the time of what all of your surroundings instead of just like being ooh it's a scary story yeah
5: and then also i think like the author definitely establishes that sense of horror and terror through like natural elements like the the lightning hitting the tree Mm -hmm. it's like a motif in in the book Mm -hmm. where it's establishing like that that fear of natural elements meaning like almost a symbolism of god and his powers of nature which i think just furthers the theme of of having like leaving natural forces
0: to nature and not man so kind of that supernatural aspect of like romance novels
1: We have a tweet coming in from uh, Tom Cruise asking why did so many writers in the romantic period use these elements of nature?
5: I think primarily they use these elements because in the romantic period everyone was fantasized by like control over their lives and like pretty much fantasizing that they could have the same power as god almost so in the ancient mariner you see the albatross as like symbolic of that kind of like the tree and the lightning hitting the tree as a symbolic meaning of don't mess with nature, like nature is meant to be left alone and humanity is not meant to have the powers that like the divine have.
1: Yeah, we see that a lot in Frankenstein with Victor playing God throughout the whole of the book. And it connects back to the tale of Prometheus, which is when um, this God stole fire for humanity and basically took power away from the gods and gave it to something that shouldn't have had that power. And we see this skewed sense of, I guess, essentially power throughout both the novels as nature has always had divine power. Then you see man trying to overcome it, which doesn't always work out. Mm -hmm. Another way that we see romanticism connected with nature is how when Victor is trying to escape um, his monster, he takes a massive hike to a to even try have that semblance of isolation or escaping his demons essentially, but the monster overcomes these natural barriers and still finds him no matter where he goes, and it continues when um, we see um, the ancient mariner. He's basically an outcast. Nature killed all of his other crewmates, and he's the only one left alive, and he's left to tell the tale, basically warning about the power of nature, Mm -hmm. and his isolation is an example of how powerful nature can be over humanity.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and God created all of these factors, and that just shows that they're kind of all equal, and he's above it all.
5: Yeah, and with the isolation, I think another important thing is, like, the setting of the North Pole and on a ship, because, like, symbolically, like, a ship is in the midst of a giant ocean and it's kind of representative of isolation, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that both of these happened on it, because I think it's kind of trying to convey how, in order to realize that you're below what you believe, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Below nature, you have to realize that you're, like, you're nothing without it, essentially.
1: Plus, like, a ship can be seen as, like, connecting things, like, when the sea like when you're sailing Mm -hmm. you're not really it's kind of like international waters like and we see the um kind of the lawless nature of like the sea and ships and water and how man is trying to conquer over these seas but it just goes to prove that nature is so much more powerful than man as like demonstrated by romanticism as a whole what is the juxtaposition between creating a life that we see in Frankenstein and the destruction of life that we see in the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner?
5: Well, well, in Frankenstein, we see that Victor is creating life through creating his monster. In the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, he's actually taking that life away from the albatross, so I think it's creating that like, binary, binary opposition that is essentially conveying that neither is acceptable to be Tampered with in nature and that it's not the right of man to to deal with those forces.
1: That's kind of bring up the fact that what right does humanity have to be the creator or destroyer of life? But we've taken on such a destructive role that because we can't create life as of yet, but we can destroy it as much as we can. So